Pfizer report that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, 8 out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit, or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number? That refers to the relative difference between 0.88 and 0.04%. That's what they call 95% relative risk reduction. And relative risk reduction is well known to be a misleading number, which is why the FDA recommends using absolute risk reduction instead. Which begs the question, how many people would have chosen to take the COVID-19 vaccines had they understood that they offered less than 1% benefit? Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, August 28th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be a very quick show, intentionally so, because I have an important show coming up right after this, streaming live with James Corbett. We'll be private streaming a screening of his previous documentary next week will be screen screening part two and then on september 11th we'll be screening part three which has yet to come out the worldwide premiere will be on the last american vagabond james will be doing that with me on our pirate streams so today to get quick right into it we're going to talk about another one study that i think is really important and this is a german study that's showing you that the correlation of the excess mortality they're finding from 2020 to 2022 almost exactly correlates with the administration of the injection And then we'll go over some other peripheral and associated points about the excess mortality discussion that we've been having for a long time now and continuing to show you the data that's coming out and glad that it's bleeding in to the mainstream conversation because it's important. But as always, ask why now? Why are they telling you this now? Why are they allowing you to talk about this now? Why are they allowed to talk about this now when the data has been there the entire time? Something you need to ask. But I will start off by including this. Uh, This is the, the link and the the, the, the link to the show for today, specifically false flags, a secret history of Al Qaeda watch along and Q and a part one. Um, just so far, the posted uh, Odyssey link and video is set up so you can find it all in there. Whatever links we discuss and add to it, including the link to the show will be in there. Once we're done, um, here is the link to the ma- landing page for, oops, that's not right. Hold on. This is the landing page right here to the main part so you can see all three parts lined up and be ready for them when they come out. And you can see here part one, part two, and part three yet to come out. I'm looking forward to this. I actually watched, I hadn't watched part one for a while and really did forget just how incredibly far ahead James Corbett has been on all this stuff and how important the information is that he's showing and how very relevant this is to far more than just foreign policy. So tune in tonight as well as on the, the September 4th. And September 11th, all at 7 p.m. Central Time. 
And by the way, here are the links to the actual documentary links on his website and all of the uh, text and discussion along with it. So please check that out, as well as a link to our recent discussion on his Solutions Watch about the pirate streams where we first discussed this happening. So check it all out. Now to jump right into it, guys, to start with this study first. Thank you for Eugalippus uh, for pointing this out. Exhaustive study of German mortality finds excess deaths tightly correlated with mass vaccination. That's the graph that I showed you right there directly from the study. I mean, the graph alone is pretty damn hard to ignore. One thing by itself, just the correlation, could be, at least has to be acknowledged as just correlation. But this is one data point along with, I mean, this entire year, we have been showing you this stuff from every possible place. And I'll give you some more examples of that today. And, and to not be wildly redundant, more so than we already are trying to keep this in the conversation, we just don't, sh I, you know, if I were to go over every part we've shown you from every place about excess mortality, I mean, it's basically everywhere, guys, are showing you a rise in excess mortality in 2021 and even more in 2022 They were baffled about. We're so confused about what could possibly be causing this. Must be the unexplainable long COVID or the undefined SIDS or SADS. All those things are we don't know. Long COVID is not defined. I was going to go over it more today. Actually, oh, I will. I think I planned on showing you at the end. It is not defined, and I've shown you that. No one has definitively proven that is what that is. They're just dumping things on long COVID because that's what it must be. Same with SADS, sudden adult death syndrome, or SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Those are literally defined as catch-alls for unexplainable things we don't it's not a diagnosis to say it was sads or sids that means we have no idea what caused it so put it in that category but it is becoming its own diagnosis how is that even possible you know why so let's go into the study itself and show you what this is now this is pretty crazy excess mortality in germany 2020 to 2022 now i recommend as always that you read this entirely but i want to get just to the main point that really stood out to me and this is, and you can see the graphs and the information are all in here. You can check it out. Um, and I, it's all the graphs and the pictures you would have seen are in this study. You can see that right there. And it says right here, in 2020, the observed number of deaths was close to the expected number with respect to the empirical standard deviation. Now, how does that even make sense? How is it possible that in 2020 in Germany, the observed deaths were pretty much in line? Despite the fact that the miracle juice wasn't there that year. And that's when all the bad stuff started before the miracle juice was there for everybody, right? So how does that even possibly make sense? Sort of like asking how it's possible the vac unvaccinated are causing variants when the variants only began once the injections began. You know, these kind of obvious correlations, which are just correlations. But it's impossible to look at it in, in with everything else we've discussed, in my opinion, without seeing this for what it is. In 2020... No real difference. By contrast, in 2021, remember the injection started, the, the trial started early, uh, late, or rather, rather late 2020. In, I, well, actually, hold on, make sure I'm not. Oh, you know what? I got rid of that. Well, in any case, the, I want to give you the exact dates. Moderna and Pfizer are slightly different, but we know that in basically the early beginning of 2020 was when COVID 19 was being talked about. We weren't sure, they said. And right in the middle there was when it was defined. And then, of course, in March ish is when they started the trials. And then, right about the middle uh, uh, and to end of 2020 to 2021 was when we saw, all right, the middle to, and, and, but, you know, March to April ish, we saw the increase in the injections. Sorry, I'm just, I'm forgetting the dates off the top of my head. You can see this right here. So it's clear for everybody. You can see right about March 2021, there was in this this is the United States. There was they they told us about 20 or just below 20% of people they considered to be or they had at least one dose. 
but only about 10% they considered fully vaccinated at the time, which was two doses. So just re- and this is, so it started pretty much right before that. This is just beginning at March for some strange reason. Now, the reason I'm showing you the date is because of what it says next. By contrast, in 2021, the observed number of deaths was two empirical standard deviations above the expected number. How in the world do you explain a jump like that when a time when you're supposed to be saying that we we had a real bad half of the year, they say, because COVID was rampant in 2020. Then they began to give the thing that's supposed to make it get better. But we saw an increasing excess mortality. Now, for those that want to say that was COVID carrying over. Well, why then did it get even worse into 2022? There, there could be some other explanation, but we have to be honest about the fact that no one is choosing to acknowledge the vaccine as a culprit in this conversation, in the corporate conversation. But it says the high excess mortality in 2021 was almost entirely due <clears throat> to an increase in deaths in the age groups between 15 and 79. Isn't that interesting? Because the, the most at risk group for so the, the phantom COVID-19 is over 80. Well, that pretty much counts that out, doesn't it? So you can't say it was the COVID stuff. If, if the predominant amount of people being suffering from that or dying were over 80. So it says, and started to accumulate only from April 2021 onwards. Again, there's your correlation. One month after the, the pretty strong increase, we see the problem. Or rather, the dramatic increase. The problem began before that, but the obvious and stark increase in excess mortality. Now, it says a similar mortality pattern was observed for stillbirths. Look at that. With an increase of about 11% in the second quarter of the year 2021. How do you explain that? The point is that we see all sorts of evidence that has now slowly and grudgingly been admitted to that there is an issue with reproductivity. There is an issue with fertility. And these things are clearly, due to peer-reviewed science, being shown to be connected to that. Trust the science crowd doesn't like to look at it, even though they claim to trust the science. When we're not trusting anything, we're acknowledging all the scientific research that's out there just and coming to our own conclusions. The reality is that the peer-reviewed science and many, many different, including Pfizer's own documentation, shows you this risk. Then it goes on to say something to the, their conclusion must have happened in when? April 2021. Something who can ever tell, must have happened in 2021 in April that led to a sudden and sustained increase in mortality in the age groups below 80 years, although no such effects on mortality had been observed during the COVID-19 pandemic so far. Look at that. So not COVID-19. Definitely almost exactly when the mass vaccination began in large scale, and specifically in the groups that you would expect it to hurt more than anything that would rather specifically that with the group that wouldn't be only COVID-19 affected, if you even believe that's what's happening. This is one data point in an overwhelming amount of information right now coming out from governments, from health institutions, from scientific, from peer-reviewed studies, from, I mean, everywhere, observational in your life, what you can see, everywhere we look right now, this is about justifying and equivocating and, and rationalizing why this terrible thing is the way it is. Everything except maybe the dangerous thing they gave everybody. I mean, it is painful to watch this slow motion train wreck. And they're, they're going to do everything they can to hide from this and get away from this. Act like it's Trump's fault. Act like, act like nobody made you do it. We didn't force anybody to get this. You had a choice. You, sh- you, had, you should have looked these things up. You know, you, did, you hid the things from us. You hid the data. You put out blank inserts. You did everything in your power to make sure we did not see why this was dangerous. And this is what happened. This is what we're staring at. 
Now here, oh, again, this is just the, uh, this is just from one of these articles, December, 2020, the Pfizer vaccine, which requires two doses separated by three weeks, the first vaccine to be widely distributed, right? So the trials ending in the beginning of 2021 was where this started. April, March to April is when it began in earnest. And that's why you see the, the sharp increase right around that time period. Then Moderna, right after it, December 18th, 2020, the FDA issued their emergency use authorization for both of them. Here we are. The correlation is almost impossible to miss. Also point out while we're looking at this graph, the dramatically low uptake of the booster. Despite all of their bleeding about how you're the only one that's not doing this and nobody else to trust, you're killing your grandmother, except even the people that were swayed and fooled the first time did not take the booster. They're barely at 20%, guys. Take a look at that. How important that is. It says 33. That does not look like 33% to me. <laughs> Are they just blatantly lying? Come on, guys. Jesus, look at this. That's not 30, 33. Would be right there. That is not. That's whatever. <laughs> Who? What, what, what's to stop them from lying about everything, including where that graph is? And you can clearly see that it's not 33%, but whatever. But not enough people. And now we're on shot four, five in some places. People are not taking this. Because they see the reality. Now, here's why we see this. Now, this is my point from before. If I wanted to, I could bring up every link I have saved, and I do have them saved, under excess mortality. There's probably 50, 60 of them. You've seen them one or two at a time over the last year. So just consider that. It's not just this, and that's not the only point for those that may be new to the show. This is everywhere you look right now. This is just on top of what we've already shown you throughout the year. Toddler vaccines have now been available for 10 weeks. Oh, that's right. This one's first is connected with the toddler point. Not just, to- not just the boosters, but toddlers specifically. They told you you were bad for not doing this. But toddler vaccines have now been available for 10 weeks. 95% of parents have opted to ignore what the CDC is telling them they should do. You are not alone. They see through it. Even if they feel like, even if they already got their kid one or got their other got older kids one or they have two in their body, they're thinking, wait a minute, I got really sick. Everyone I know is struggling and we're going to give it to a toddler with barely any testing. And the FDA people that said we shouldn't do it were forced out. They resigned and they did it anyway. Like there's so much information showing you there's not something safe here. More interestingly, at least 70% of toddlers who received one dose will not complete the vaccination. Now, why would that be more than 70% of the, of the 5% of kids that did get the thing didn't get the next one. (laughs) I mean, what does that show you? Bad things happened, and most of them are too afraid to speak up about it. Why would a parent rush to get dose one but not return for dose two? Because they saw something bad and it scared them away. Pretty simple. Now, Truth uh, Matters comments on this, and we already actually shared this link with you, the, the ethical theethicalskeptic.com. Houston, we have a problem. It says, we have lost 344,000 younger Americans to something besides COVID and non-natural deaths from April 3rd, 2021, to August 6, 2022. Current mortality shows weekly average of 7,887 deaths exceeds most weeks of the COVID pandemic itself. But yeah, just plug your ears, stomp your feet, and move forward acting like anything COVID-related could potentially be deadly. Therefore, it's all deadly all the time. Except we ignore the actual deaths happening right in front of us because of the potential maybe down the line COVID we can't define. Think about how wildly unscientific and dangerous that is. Here's Peter Sweden, who's been pointing this stuff out for a long time. Obviously, he's expanded to much more than just Sweden, but this does relate to Sweden, I believe. This is shocking, he says. In children aged 0 to 14, there has been a horrifying 542% increase in excess deaths this year compared with last year in Europe. What's going on? 
Nobody wants to ask. Must be some unexplainable SIDS or SADS or long COVID or some unexplainable thing. Must be, right? This summer, there were over 10,000 non-COVID-related excess deaths in Europe in just one week. Read it for yourself. The data's in there. These are insane numbers, and the media is ignoring it. So I just decided to write an investigative article to find out what's going on with the excess death rate. Oh, wait a minute. I saw this before, just so you know. Correction. Unfortunately, there was a small error in his calculations regarding the increase. Sorry, he was wrong. It's not 542. Actually, it's 1,101% increase. This is real, guys. Look it up for yourselves. So even worse than his first tweet said, a 1,101% increase in 0 to 14 deaths. Excess death. And we are, and we're acting like this is unexplained. I mean, these are the kids. This is the age group the least affected by COVID-19. At even their number of children that died from this, they argue is 500. They still spout that number, even though it's been shown roundly that the vast majority of those are not only not COVID-related, but haven't even been followed up with by the CDC. Go in with a broken leg, get a test, walk out. It goes down as a COVID hospitalization. That kind of thing is what we're talking about. Or they die in a car accident and they put it down as COVID-19 death or however you look at this. Now, by the way, that is not the same point as the Vayers discussion. The reality being that they have this kind of tracking the the pharmacovigilance. It's different than the Vayers discussion. They're tracking everything they possibly can about that in regard to what they can show you the risk, but not in regard to, right? So basically, anyway, you get the point. The idea being that they are, arguing that and this is i think the person from the uk said but the u.s does the same that you can literally get tested for covid go down as a covid positive and then die a month later in a car wreck and that goes down as a covid death that's mind-boggling but anyway the point here is that there is a 1000 percent increase in children that are the most the least affected by what they tell you this is being caused by that makes sense to anybody it's so obvious what's happening now i shared this this meme the other day I think it's funny on my days, the last couple of weeks, as I showed you before, the guy's saying, it looks like the pandemic was BS the whole time. The other guy says, we know we've been trying to tell you for two years. And he says, you couldn't have known. They just announced it on TV. That's what we're all dealing with right now. It's incredibly frustrating. The reason I show it again is to share, you slow, to share with you slow news days tweet, which is hilarious to me. U.S. in, the tw- in 2020. This is basically this is exactly like the vaccine passport argument. Right. The vaccine passports in 2020 were literally called dangerous misinformation. And anybody even saying those were coming were misinformation. They need to be stopped. Then a day later in 2022, 2021, excuse me, vaccine passports were necessary and we need them. And anybody saying we don't is a dangerous misinformation spreader. and needs to be stopped. The same people on a dime were calling you crazy for not using them when they said you were dumb for saying they were coming. Same point, he says, U.S. in 2020. Science is never settled. It changes all the time based on new information. That's uh, or excuse me, us saying that because that's the reality. Science is the scientific method, never settled. It's always evolving. We said that, and they said you're killing grandma, you racist or whatever, right? How dare you? You're killing everybody. You're creating vaccine hesitancy. Blah blah blah. Then in 2020, we're seeing them do this now. Oh well, the thing about the science you see is that it's constantly evolving, and we're acknowledging that and moving to the booster number of 900,000. Right? They can't simultaneously be settled and evolving at the same time. That's ridiculous. It's like permanently suspended. These people are ridiculous. They think they're doing this intentionally. But this brings us to any many other points that add to the same point about this. And not just children, but the reality of every possible angle you look right now. We are seeing these things explode and they just don't want to draw the line to the obvious culprit. Occam's razor. All things considered equal. The most obvious. So uh, 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 the most obvious 
conclusion tends to be the right one. I, that's not a conclusion. I don't know why I just blinked on that. But the point being that it's usually the most obvious possibility. All things considered equal. This is two and three-year-olds have inexplicable seizures two to five days after the COVID vaccine. This is according to UK Medical Freedom. Medical staff forbidden from publicly discussing this. Doctors instructed to tell parents that it isn't vaccine-related, that it's only them having problems, because that's how science works. That's No, this is their commentary on it. But Steve Kurtz, Substack, read this for yourself. Two and three-year-old kids with seizures is the new normal, right? Because it's just it's normal. Heart attacks and blood clots, kids, oh, just kid stuff. You know, big, no big deal, which is not even remotely true. And it's easy to look that up moments before this started. Just use, use Google Trends. You can use a lot of different tools to see how non-existent these things really were in these age groups. But it's all over. And I'm skipping these pretty quickly. I'll probably revisit some of these in future shows. But here's another one from Sir, Sergeant News Network. Myocarditis up two. 2,800%. 2,800%. Army veteran Pam Long lists alarming numbers from the DMED database from the military. Myocarditis, 2,800%. Cancers, up 300-900%. Infertility in both genders, up 500%. Miscarriages, 300%. Neurological disorders, up 1,000%. How in the world do we explain this without the obvious culprit? That you could. This is stuff you guys can check for yourselves. This is, they, they had to put they had to present this in front of Congress and nothing happened. They're still forcing this in a lot of ways. How do you explain this, in, especially when they are admitting this is possible? Remember, this is even though they still cite the one in 100,000 or whatever they lie to you about. They have even been forced to acknowledge and peer reviewed science has found it's probably closer to one in 3,000, one in 6,000, according to the science, mind you. But we can see lots of other information coming from health departments like in Germany, where they argue it's something like one in 500. Either way you look at this, guys, this is staggering and it's obvious what's happening. This doesn't just explode. And especially since the reality around COVID-19 has shown you that that's not the case. I should have grabbed that first, actually. This is just one study. This isn't the end of the conversation. Don't think that's what I'm arguing. The point, though, is that this is a peer-reviewed study that very clearly finds, as I've shown many times, published April 15, 2022, a large population-based study that post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incidence of either of them of when you're recovering from COVID-19. Okay, so you, we can't keep pretending, at the very least, that it's questionable that COVID-19 is the culprit here. Very clear. Here is another excess mortality example. 10,775 extra Australians dead in the first five months of the year. Up 16.6% on the historical average. One of the most vaccinated locations on the planet. Think about how ridiculous that is. Now here is one that will probably blow your minds. And this is exactly what we've been telling you. A lot of people have. Good Science has been writing about this. I think Tim Truth has been writing a lot about this. Or talking about a lot of people out there have been really harping on this. And they should. We tend to kind of dance around on what we tr- you know, are focusing and harping on. But this was one we were really knocking out for a while. And we should be. According to this expert, interviewed by Dr. Malone, athletes in the Big Ten have had cardiac scans, and he's claiming about 50% are right now being shown to have myocarditis. Many of them not, you know, with no outward symptoms, but they're with the, with the scans, which people like Dr. Bakhti and others have recommended they do, because it's not going to show until you suddenly die. In many of these cases, that's how this vaccine problem is working, which is why they're acting like, we don't know, because we can't prove it. That's how this seems meant to work. But they're showing that they do have it after the scans. This was not the case before the injections. Collapsing athletes, guys. And this is children and adults. 
We can't stop ignoring the overwhelming amount of people suddenly dying and collapsing on stage and athletes in the middle of the game or these tennis match play or tennis players having heart problems. Good job, Djokovic, because you're proving them wrong as they act like you're the bad one and they collapse on the field or people like, uh, I forget her name all of a sudden, a very famous tennis player just quietly resigns her career acting like that was a choice despite the fact that it started with weird health problems. It's obvious what we're seeing here. Now, this, this video is pretty crazy. This is one of the few I'll play for you today. So, Kirk, you're probably the most uh, qualified physician scientist I've encountered for talking about pediatric uh, damage to the heart associated with both the virus and the vaccine. Um, are, in your opinion, if we have the mandates deployed in the state of California that Governor Newsom has signed into law, are we going to see significant numbers of death in, in damaged hearts in California from the vaccines? Well, I, I, th- well I, I think depending on how many people they get to take it. Um, yeah, I think the number is just a numbers game. I think as you look around the world, we're getting down to a number of somewhere between one in 3,000, one in 6,000. If we allow those kids to stay active and play, I think there's a lot of myocarditis that is under the radar. A recent study on elite athletes out of the Big Ten showed that when they looked at the the cardiac MRI of the elite athletes, almost 50% had, or around 50% had um, myocarditis that couldn't be, wasn't known by symptoms, um, but was seen on cardiac MRI. And that puts them at risk for sudden death. Uh, So I I think that as we ramp this up for really, Um, to try to get everyone like the mandate in California to get, you have to have a vaccine in order to go to school. Then I think by what we see around the world, then the numbers of myocarditis cases will go up and we may, we may have an increase in sudden cardiac death associated with myocarditis, just kids playing on the field. Exactly. Exactly what we're already seeing. Think about how wild that is. And that's a study he's referencing. The point is that's information that we've already been showing you. Simply just even observationally, we can see that the numbers based on NIH studies and a FIFA study, a six and a 10 year study of this exact issue of cardiac arrest in athletes, whether a vaccine's involved or not, we are so far past what they said was the average, like six, seven, eight times more than what we would have seen in a normal year. I'm pulling off the top of my head, but it's, it's exponentially more. I've made, I've done multiple shows about this and it's not being regarded. It's being ignored. Oh, it's not the vaccine, you liars. Okay, then explain to me what it is. That's all we address the problem. Don't just shove it under the rug. That shows you that they are at least somewhat aware that there's a problem that it's associated with what they don't want to talk about. Anybody who's honest about this will be, well, what has happened in this time frame that might change this? might make things different. Well, gee, there's a massive gene therapy injection we gave across the planet and we're seeing the same problem everywhere. Maybe that's it. No fake news. I mean, it's just childishly stupid to act like that's not a possible problem, especially when they admit it can cause myocarditis. That's the most comically stupid part about this. Oh, it can cause myocarditis. So maybe that's what caused his. No, that's fake news. You anti conspiracy or whatever (laughs) conspiracy theorist. You just said it can do that. Well, it can. Well, can it be his? No, that's fake news. Okay. Well, this is everywhere, guys, and that's an expert telling you that, a highly regarded expert showing a study. So the very same people that are saying trust the science are ignoring that science. Seems perfect. Now, here's Dr. James E. Olson pointing out the same people who are collapsing on stage while playing their guitar told us we were not welcome to attend their concert. Remember that? He said he sure will. 
We all should. Now, this is a quick cursory look, by the way, just a quick look searching just singer collapses on stage. And guess what? Plenty of them in very recent time frame. This is July, November. It says Carlos Santana passes out on stage during this during his, his concert. This is Woho collapses on stage. This is singer Ed Dava Bashir collapses on stage and dies. All these are vaccinated individuals. This one's fully vaccinated. International super song or superstar singer gets COVID. It says uh, fully vaccinated international su- singer collapses on stage. Right. These are fully vaccinated, but of course gets COVID and collapses. <laughs> it's like, okay, must have been that. Catherine Ringer collapses on stage. Uh, this is uh, Motown's tragic omens. She fell on stage and collapsed. It's like, when's the last time we ever saw something like this? And now it's happening constantly every other day. I mean, it's just stark and obvious. Now, here's another example of an insurance company or this, the ins- uh, insurance CEO, Todd Cal- uh, Calendar, says the real pandemic is now. As large insurance groups, we underwrite morbidity risk based on what we are seeing, the rates right now. Excess mortality is at 84% and excess every kind of disease at 1100%. In 2022, we are experiencing upwards of 5,000%. Guys, these people are collecting the data. It's their job. And they're speaking out all over the place. Nobody wants to acknowledge this. Now, here is even in the UK, British government's begun paying $140,000 for COVID-19 vaccine damage victims, which, first of all, was something they acted like wasn't even happening in the beginning, which we know it always was. And now when they admit now that they're doing so, they're going to say, well, of course, there's always some problems. But the point the bottom line, as I said here, guys, apparently your child's life is worth only one hundred and forty thousand dollars. I thought it was safe and effective, wasn't it? My point has always been the same for those that are going to shout down what I first said there. Not that you should have a right if you want to take this dangerous thing. It's your choice, your body. If there's risk, which apparently there is, we already knew that, though, because it's, if they're paying people for that, then there is a possibility of severe damage. Right. Simple as that. So I don't care if it's 0.01%. If there's risk, there must be choice. And in parentheses, so it's clear, there there must always be choice. That there are two separate points. My point is simply to say that we can see risk. So even the people that argue that we need to do it to save everybody else, your body's at risk. You obviously have a choice, but you have choice anyway. No matter what they put on the table, you should have a choice in this kind of stuff. You do. But I said, now we find ourselves once again in the rewriting of history phase. Ah, Trump's fault or whatever else. The cover-up phase. We don't know what it is. We're baffled. When when will the mainstream media watchers learn? My God, the point is there's obviously risk. So the problem is that when you're forcing children and parents that you're going to hurt people. And we know now that it's far worse than what they're showing. And here's an interesting point, a little bit of subjective point, but it's important to show you. He, this for your right says, did you know that during the lockdowns of 2020, millions of babies missed their well baby checkups, which meant they didn't get their scheduled vaccines? Did you know that same year, Sudden infant death syndrome became nearly non-existent. Well, that's sure interesting. Plenty of people before this have argued that SIDS and SADS were simply a vaccine catch-all that they just, just like we're seeing with everything else today. And they do provide the link. Now you can read through this for yourself. I just want to give you the quick point here. And because the reason I said subjective is because it's not a massive study showing you across the board, but rather data around this point, And you can read through the study for yourself, as well as doctors saying that they saw it disappear in their practices. I find that relevant, however you want to spin this. It is observational. But it says, we have no data uh, on the trend during the pandemic. We have, however, heard anecdotal reports from emergency room doctors suggesting some have observed a decline in SIDS. One doctor who says he might see three cases of SIDS in a typical week has seen zero cases since the pandemic began. Three a week went to nothing in general. And you see more anecdotal discussions. I mean, that that's relevant to me. If you can have one doctor on CNN act like his statement matters for everything going on, why wouldn't this be equally as valid? 
The bottom line, though, is we know what this is connected to in part. So if you see that suddenly happen, you know what's happening, guys. And here we have an example of how it's being covered up as long COVID. New figures reveal shocking impact of long COVID. Oh, you mean the thing that is literally not proven, literally undefined? It's just an argument. It's arguably what they think is happening. That's still the point. And I've showed you this just the other day. Clues to long COVID. This is on science.org. This was recent. This uh, Where's the date? This is on June, middle of June, 2022. And you can read it again for yourself if you want. They break down the three different arguments of what they think is causing this. The point is, they don't know. And that's the point here. There's multiple experts that have different theories, but nobody has proven that this is directly caused by what they say is COVID-19. Probably good reason for that. You know why. But the overarching point is, how can we say, oh, that's long COVID? Or shocking reveals that long COVID did this. How, we don't even know that for sure. That's like saying this is the, as the result of SADS. Well, what is SADS? An unexplainable catch-all. Same point. But that does happen too. So watch this clip and you'll see what I mean. The days of lockdowns might be gone, but new figures show the shocking impact of long COVID on the economy. Political or vaccine injury on the economy. Reporter Taylor Aiken is live for us in Canberra this morning. Hello to you, Taylor. Uh, what do these new figures reveal? Sally, good morning. Well, these new figures show that over 30,000 people were off work in the month of June due to long COVID. And right, now, you know how easy it would be to call it that? You know, did you ever have COVID? Did you ever get told you had COVID at one point in this whole process? Yes. Well, then it's long COVID. Did you, is there a test for that? Can you prove it? Well, no, we're guessing, but we're going to say it like we know for sure. That's not science. That's propaganda. On top of that, you know all these people are vaccinated. You're in a place that is almost entirely vaccinated. Almost every single person in this country has a vaccine in their body. And the point is that that has to be a possible factor. But they don't care to point that out. They don't care to look at it. As well as the fact that we see long-lasting effects from these injections that can pop up in a week, a month, a day, two years. And this has been more obviously shown now than ever, but it was discussed even before COVID-19. Two years later, you can have a problem that's vaccine-related. They know all of this, but yet we're going to point to something we can't prove that's not even defined. That's propaganda. As health experts race to learn more about this illness, it's been revealed around 12% of sick days are due to long COVID, further fueling Australia's workforce shortage. Sufferers of long... You know, and one other point to add, whether it... Let's... If for those, you know, considering that the phantom COVID is what we're talking about here, it's also likely that this is just being caused by the things they're taking. You, you, they can de desperately push back on the fact that it's not possible to cause COVID. Well, that's not even exactly what I'm saying. How about the fact that we just dramatically lowered your immune system to the point to where you caught literally anything in front of you and that using PCR test was called COVID or whatever else. Like it doesn't, the point is that it ends up being sickness or illness that just lasts on forever. And is that long COVID or is your body just sickly and problematic now because of what you put in it. There's so many other examples here, especially when you know they haven't proven what they're saying this is. COVID say they experience excessive tiredness, headaches, ongoing respiratory difficulties and feelings of brain fog. Maybe the mask too, right? Brain fog, ongoing respiratory problems. Guys, that's exactly what the mask will do with prolonged use and increased risk of infection, which is exactly what the random control trial found they do. But nobody cares about the facts today. With 1.2% of people who test positive suffering symptoms for up to six months or longer. New Treasury analysis showing the Australian economy lost 3 million working days in the first six months of 2022. 
Now, in the interest of time, making one last point on it, the idea being that how about this is just a complete fabrication to justify the idea for work from home, great reset direction idea, universal basic income, you know, all the things they're trying to normalize and justify with destroying everything else around you. Maybe that's just one more part of it. Just a thought. I don't know for sure. But the point is, on top of that, don't forget that this other peer-reviewed study from the JAMA Network also argues that long COVID in general is completely psychosomatic. Read it for yourself. We've already talked about it. It ultimately says that that arguing that it suggests that persistent physical symptoms after COVID infection may be associated more with the belief in having it than actually having it. Go figure, right? Science. But the science they don't like to look at, so it doesn't count to them. And to finish this off, of course, this is just unbelievable to me. Now, they knew that you generally have already caught on to the fact that they haven't tested these things like they're supposed to. The new boosters, which are really just new vaccines entirely, which they let slip in this article. So they're coming out with it yesterday, two days ago, saying, well, yeah, they're not testing on people, but here's why it's okay. No, it's not. If they didn't know that you found that out through independent media and anybody else saying that, they wouldn't have told you this. They didn't tell you in the beginning. Omicron boosters are coming. Well, they're not boosters. They're brand new vaccines, but they weren't tested on people. And by the way, I don't even think they're vaccines. And we've said that before. Nearly all the new COVID infections in the U.S. coming from the Omicron BA4 and BA5 subvariants. So that's their argument. So why then would they still make people take the one based on something that's not there before they can get this one, which is what they're doing. They're demanding, if you haven't gotten anything, that you still get two doses of the useless one that's extra dangerous to get this new thing. Why exactly? That's not scientific. That doesn't make sense. Switching to a new, different vaccine. Exactly. You can't call it a booster if it's a different vaccine. Oops. But it says first Omicron-specific booster to be available in mid-September. If the FDA and CDC authorize it, well, gee, I wonder if that'll happen. They keep doing this where the politics are uh, the carts before the horse. They're already getting it ready and organized. They already bought some. And they're, the guy, they're like about to put it in someone's arm. They're like, well, can we go? Oh, good. The FDA said yes. Obviously, they are aware this was going to happen. But it says, given the short time they had to develop the shot, however, the data only included information on the safety and efficacy of the booster in animals. Now, even that, by the way, are, are, that's the information being pulled, as far as I understand it, from the first ones. I, don't, I, I haven't even seen them doing anything in regard to the new ones. Now, if I'm wrong, I'll correct that. But either way, it is not being tested in people. How would you actually think it makes sense to take this thing, a new vaccine, completely new with different things in it, when it hasn't been tested for safety? Human studies are planned, of course, after you put it in your body and will be ongoing even if the FDA and CDC decide to authorize the shots and the government starts distributing them. Right. So as we put them in your arms, we're going to find out whether they kill you or not after the fact. Right. Trust the government. Can't you see how well this went so far? That is vaccine experts divided, of course. See, of course, So even their experts are like, I don't know, this is safe. And they're going to do it anyway. Dr. Paul Offit, a member of the advisory committee, says the strategy makes him uncomfortable. I'm sure he's got more to say than that for several reasons, he says. The data presented from the Pfizer, Biotech, Moderna and Moderna in June involving the BA1 booster shot, which focused on the levels of virus fighting antibodies the vaccine generated were underwhelming. So the, the information you're pulling from the original thing to the BA1 to now to this, just kind of scooting down the line, continues to make it less and less. It's, it keeps getting worse. And what they're pointing at to justify this, he's telling you it's not even, it's underwhelming. He says, I'd like to see clear evidence of dramatic increase in neutralizing antibodies. Well, how about more than that? How about making sure they're the right antibodies? How about making sure that it creates T cell and memory B cell, memory cells? That's how it actually creates immunity, not just produces some fleeting antibodies that do nothing and your body shuts down and you have to get more boosters. More dramatic than what we saw against BA1 before launching a new product. We're owed at least that. 
That's one of the experts saying that. How much you want to bet? That doesn't happen. Then what do you think? Here's one of the experts going, we, we're owed that information. We need to see that. It doesn't happen, and it doesn't anyway. It's authorized. Then what? It's just like the first time where the experts were saying, we shouldn't do this. They, they resigned in protest. They did it anyway. You can boost people and measure their neutralizing antibodies two weeks later. He's saying we could have a three-week study with 100 people very quickly just to find out if it works. Why won't they do that? Ask yourself that. Now, I'm not even, that, I wouldn't even be okay with that. That's not enough. But they won't even do that. Such information could also be critical in setting realistic expectations for the Omicron booster because they're over here saying it's going to be a miracle. That's his words. Going to be miraculous. And he's uncomfortable about that. Other experts see it a little differently based on the fact that the mRNA vaccines have been administered to millions of people so far. You've heard this argument before with relatively few safety concerns. What world are they living in? And given that the vaccines have been effective in protecting people from getting hospitalized or dying, that's not even true. Not only is the data not back that up, that they have no studies to prove that, as Dr. McCullough has made clear. Even during the latest Omicron surges, they argue that changing the strain of virus in the vaccine doesn't require the same extensive testing that the original shot did. Of course not. Think about how crazy that is. So first of all, based on the fact that they've been given to everybody, that means nothing when you lie about what you're seeing. With relatively few safety concerns? You mean other than the 500 different possible rare side effects, but they're not rare at all? And given the vaccines have been effective in protecting them from the things that we see them dying from? I mean, how dumb is this? That's why Dr. Paul Offit is going, I don't know about this, guys. So I'm going to leave it there because I've already gone past my time, but I wanted to make sure you guys saw that today. In 45 minutes, we'll be live with the preview. Make sure you tune in, guys. The link will be in the show notes. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Tonight, keeping drug companies honest, a story that's simply stunning about multi-million dollar profits and illegal activity at this country's biggest drug company. The Justice Department alleges Johnson & Johnson boosted sales by paying millions of dollars in kickbacks to pharmacists and doctors who pushed the drug Risperdal to patients who did not need it. The medical editors of that journal accused the drug company Merck of misleading them about the dangers of Vioxx, of hiding the fact that it caused even more heart attacks than previously known. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 billion. Eli Lilly paid $1.4 billion. Pfizer and its subsidiary paid $2.3 billion. And GlaxoSmithKline paid out a record $3 billion. For seven years, Glaxo failed to report data showing its best-selling diabetes drug. Avandia increased the risk of heart attack by as much as 40%. Opioid epidemic has killed more than 400,000 Americans. Tonight, Purdue agreeing to pay more than $8 billion in penalties. Antidepressant Paxil wasn't approved for use by patients under 18. The company illegally marketed the drug for use by children, even when a clinical trial found teenagers who took the drug for depression were more likely to commit suicide than those taking a placebo. Purdue Pharma pleading guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal health agencies and violating federal kickback laws for inducing doctors to prescribe those powerful opioids. Glaxo also hired a company to write a medical journal article downplaying the risks. The firm used PR firms and paid several doctors, including the U.S. celebrity doctor, Drew Pinsky, to promote the drug. If you can't trust medical research that gets published in very established journals, what can you trust? But as Bob Orr reports, the massive settlement may not lead to much change. Is fraud the business model of the pharmaceutical industry? No one's going to jail. No one's going to prison. And worse yet, they've set up a situation where Purdue's going to be able to continue on. You look at this thing, and I mean, if Pfizer is too big to fail, and even the biggest fine in history is just a few months profit, then what's going to stop it from illegally promoting other drugs? Critics say Anderson nothing.